welcome to Ordinary Lives, where we hear about the extraordinary things happening in and through ordinary people. Hello, everyone. Um, I'm Jeff DeBoer, and I'm here on Ordinary Lives with Greta Enting. And we're going to be talking for a little while this afternoon about some changes that happen in most people's lives from working life to post-working life and what it means to enter into retirement, not inactivity necessarily, but retirement. Uh, it's one of these things that is just very ordinary and yet in many ways reflects the way that extraordinary things have both happened in our lives and continue to happen in our lives even during the time where we're not working full time. So welcome, Greta. It's Thank good you. to have you here on this podcast. Good and to be I here. And I wonder if you could just give a little introduction of yourself, who you are, whatever is very interesting about you, and then we'll get into some of the uh, questions that we'll be talking about. Well, my name is Greta Enting, and I uh, uh, married a wonderful man at age 21 in June of 1980, and we were blessed with three children, actually four children, one in heaven, and uh, went through a few things in our our lives with young kids, with uh, Matthew being very ill as a young boy, and uh, then uh, David and um, Aaron being born. They were uh, preemie twins, and we lost Aaron, but David uh, was born, spent two weeks in neonatal, and now, as you all know him, he's 6'5", and, and a very wonderful young man. Mm. And... Uh, um, those those trials, those issues with Matthew being ill and, and David being a preemie were, were hard things to go through. And mm-hmm. yet, uh, through the help of church and good friends and family, uh, we were able to, to get through that. But those were trying times, but also good times in the sense that they build faith and, and um, uh, community and um, uh, fellowship with, with uh, uh, other families and believers. And church was very important and is important. Uh, was very important at that time and is important today. Um, yeah, I w- became a nurse. I uh, went to nursing school, Blodgett School of Nursing, and uh, started my c- career in oncology. And the first 20-some years of my career, I worked on the oncology floor at Blodgett. And then uh, 10 years, I worked in the chemo clinic, uh, administering chemotherapy. And and then the last 11 years of my career, I worked in radiation oncology. And um, um, I loved all aspects of my career because um, my desire was to help patients and their families, uh, to teach them, to encourage them, to uh, basically I would tell them that I was their cheerleader and, mm-hmm. and uh, uh, amongst many things, but um, just to help them get through this, these difficult times and that they could do it. And, that, uh, and also family. Uh, it was a very stressful time for family. Mm-hmm. And... Um, I felt um, a great need, and uh, it, it helped me. It was it was something that gave me, you know, I I was blessed by my patients and their families, and it was kind of a two way street. You know, I could help them, but they also helped me. Could you fill out the timetable a little bit? So you talked about the birth of your children and how difficult um, the beginning of life was for some of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, at what point did you become a nurse? Were you trained as a nurse before that? Or was I was. That I was. Okay. I started my nursing career uh, right a week after I got married. I became an, uh, started as an RN in uh, June of 1980, and uh, I uh, had a very wonderful career. Um, 
42 years. Uh, first year and a half, I worked while I was in, uh, as a nursing student, I worked as a nurse aide, and then uh, graduated in May of 80 and started in as an RN in June of 80. Um, and then children came roughly three years after marriage, so I worked full-time up until I had Nathan, and then I um, dropped to a half-time position, part-time, and was able to to do that uh, until the kids were pretty much in school um, full-time, and then I was able to increase, and I for many years I worked a, they call it a point seven, four days one week, three days another, and I did that for many years. But during the times where my kids were young, I worked half time, but I worked one or two evenings during the week, and I worked every other weekend day shift. And I had Steve took care of the boys on the weekends, and on my evening shift during the week, I had a friend watch the kids from two thirty mm. till five, and it truly was a blessing. Mm. Um, the kids weren't uh, back and forth a lot, and uh, yet I was. It was it was important for me to be able to to be a nurse, to do what I did, to be an oncology nurse. That was important. In so my life. You mentioned when you talked about the start of your nursing career and then how it developed, how important it was not only that you did the work, but the way that you treated the families mm-hmm. that you were, you said, their cheerleader. Yeah. How much of that attitude do you think developed from your own experience with your children when they were young? That oh. you had a couple of children who really struggled when they were young. How much of that attitude developed from right. that experience? Um, I, I, I think I had that attitude prior to, but um, the nurses that took care of Matthew and the nurses that took care of Nathan for those two months in neonatal, uh, they're very important. I remember their names. Um, the care that they gave David and Matthew, but also the care of the patient, uh, of the parents, because that's such a highly um, anxiety-producing, stressful time. And just to see their love and how they unfolded you and how they, they taught you. And they didn't treat me as a nurse. They treated me as a mom. And um, I learned from them, yeah. Mm. But my, my care, I've always wanted to take care of people. I've always wanted to help. That was kind of ingrained in me from a young girl. I always wanted to be a nurse and help people. So, But I can tell you that many people in my life have helped me mm. become a better nurse, become a better mom, become a better wife, a, I mean, just just the, the, the many years that... Um, I've lived and, and I've encountered so many amazing people. They've all blessed, been a blessing to me. Did you ever have a time in your life, especially when your kids were young, where you thought, am I going to have to make a choice between these two? The love that I have in caring for other people as a nurse and the time and the energy that I have to invest in my family, are these going to start to compete? Um, I can't say that it did only because working, you know, two different shifts, evening versus uh, weekend days. Um, and what was a blessing was that Steve had the boys one on one and their relationship. I think, um, they have a very special relationship, Steve and his boys. And I think partly was because I wasn't there. So I can't say that my work, um, was a big issue and intruded. No, I really don't. I've, I've been very blessed with with being able to have this career and being able to also be a, a mom and a wife. Yeah. yeah. So when you think back over those years, could you see yourself develop as a person because you were a nurse? So I've already asked you about the empathy that you developed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and was very important to you. But did you see other ways that you developed as a person because you were a nurse? Um, just doing my best for them 
I did have to learn very early on in my nursing career that my time at work, um, I gave them everything I had, the best that I could, helped them the best I could. But when I went home, I didn't, I couldn't take that home. Sometimes I, <laughs> first couple of years we were married, you know, our dinner conversation was about, because at that time I worked night shift and poor Steve, he says, do we really have to talk about this tonight? <laughs> you know, so poor guy, he got, he got uh, overwhelmed and, and uh, uh, fed a lot of information. But um, as I got more into my nursing career, I learned that, you know what, the Lord's given you this time. You do what you can here and go home and feel good that what you've done was, you know, the best you did and then go home and not let that intrude into your family. Was there a particular point at which you made that decision? Was it because your husband encouraged you to say, hey, we just talk about work too much. You're at work and then you come home and yeah. it's like work point B? Yeah. I had an experience early on in my career where it was the daughter of a, um, people from Holland that I knew and their daughter had uh, metastatic colon cancer. And uh, it was a very, very horrible experience. She was somebody I knew, personally cared for, uh, and that was really hard. And I took what she was going through home with me, and I lived and breathed it 24-7. And it got to a point where um, I almost got burned out because it was too much. I was working full-time at the time and taking care of her, and... and um, so I had to learn. I had to. I, I did get some help, some little bit of counseling through that, and um, learn to. I had to. I had to learn that I cannot do that because it's not fair to my family, and um, and and just to learn that you know while I'm there, I do the best I can. Mm-hmm. So and I pray. It isn't that I didn't take them home. I would pray for them. I'd pray for them at at work or you know. Um, I did also like to. Um, if they did pass away, um, go to a funeral home or a funeral because there's it was closure for me, but it was also very meaningful for uh, families to see you, that you cared for their loved one. So that impacted my life too. And Steve was very supportive of all of that. He's been, he's been a wonderful supportive husband in that and allowing me that. So one of the hardest things in, uh, that I, I learned through was being on bed rest with the twins. And uh, I went on bed rest at 16 weeks, and I delivered them at 28 weeks. But those were very, very hard times, very um, scary. And um, I couldn't do anything but lay there and uh, prayed and read my Bible. And um, yeah, it was a scary time. But he strengthened my faith um, in that and through that, and also allowed me to help people later on who experienced that same thing. But it was a very scary time. And it was really hard, you know, losing a child and and going through that. But, um, you know, I I feel very strongly that Aaron lived long enough that David had a chance to survive, and he did. And so that was a gift. Um, um, Psalm 139 is very precious to me because uh, God knew this little boy and uh, knew his innermost being, and even his time that was very short was very precious to him. But... You know, the Lord uses those things that you go through or experiences that you've had to be able to help somebody else that you come across in your life. And 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 I have, and that's been yeah. good. Can I ask you how then your experience of being able to separate, coming to a moment where you said, I have to separate what I am doing at work and the emotional burden I carry there from my engagement with my family at home. You were able to do that. Mm-hmm. That's That's fantastic. 
did you have opportunity to help other people do that? Because you you became responsible, I understand, at some point for other nurses as well. Like you, you had a leadership position. Right. Did that come up for them that struggle to keep work, work, yeah. and home life, home life? Uh, for some, yes, yes. And um, also, I think uh, the Lord gave me the ability to be able to, if I saw a concern or a need or something, to be able to pr- approach that person and to do it in a, in a loving. I think communication is one of... Uh, one of the gifts God's given me to be able to to speak where I need to speak, and I was able to do that at work. If there was a concern, if there was an issue, or um, but yeah, some of my coworkers struggled with some of that. Um, yeah, I had a dear uh, coworker whose wife uh, was diagnosed with metastatic breast cancer, and she did pass away two years ago. And and just walking him through that, and and um, she had cancer for quite a few years, but it it did take her life. Um, you know, to be able to love on him and care for him and his family. And yeah, hmm. yeah. So you worked for how many years total? From You said you began in 1980. I began in January of 1979 as a nurse aide while as a student nurse. And then I started as an RN in June of 80. So 42 years. 42 years. Yeah, yeah I can't I, believe it. I can testify <laughs> since we're sitting together in this room that that's more than half your life, easily. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> so... There came a point where you started to wonder, should I continue to do this? And what was it like for you to wrestle through that? How did you wrestle through that question? This has been a big part of my life for four decades. How do I know when the time is coming for me to say, this shouldn't be where I invest anymore? Right, right. Well, at age 60, my dear husband wanted me to retire. You know, um, I work in a very, in radiation oncology, there's not a lot of nurses. It's a very small area. You work with a physician, which is a wonderful thing. And I love that uh, primary nursing. And, uh, but it's a very small group. So you can't just go on vacation for a couple of weeks because you're a very vital part of this uh, little community. And so Steve, who can work anywhere, uh, wanted to travel, do more traveling. And it was my job that was keeping us home. So he really... But I wasn't ready. I, you know, I was at that time was working uh, seven days every two weeks, and I did agree to cut down to a halftime position. So three days one week, two days another. I did that at, at sixty, and um, but COVID was a big factor, mm. and um, there were a lot of changes at the hospital. Uh, we lost a lot of people because initially with the the cost of of all the COVID uh, precautions and all the, I mean it. it it was just crazy. The hospital lost money, as you know, uh, understandably so, and they had to make cuts. Well, those cuts were very dear and very hard. And um, so you lost people that you we lost well. people. And uh, now the people that stepped in were wonderful um, oncology nurses, but had no radiation background. So mm. they're coming in not knowing this area, and it was a really it was a really hard time. And I had some health, not a health issue, I had a hip issue. <laughs> so I ended up um, really struggling. I have uh, degenerative arthritis and needed uh, hip replacement. So when I um, was scheduled for my hip surgery last May, um, I did tell the new uh, uh, manager, nurse manager, that um, because we were short-staffed, we you know, lost people, they had, you know. I said, if it helps you, I'm willing to give up my hours. I'm going to, I had that one, prior to that, I had really seriously decided I'm going to retire at age 62. So I uh, told her, I said, you know, 
If it helps you hire a full-time person, I'm willing to give up my hours and come back after my surgery as resource. So resource nurses, basically they're only obligated to work one shift every two weeks, but you get no benefits and you can kind of work what you want. I still work two to three days a week, but, uh, but it was my choice, right? And, um, oh, she said, okay, well, I'll, I'll uh, bring it up to the higher ups. And, and so a couple days later, I said, you know, is that something that they want to do? And they said, oh, it's a done deal. <laughs> I said, oh, okay. It went from an option to done. <laughs> yeah, option to done. So I came back after my hip replacement and worked the last year as a resource, but still worked two to three days. Um, but the also clincher was last October, we went out to Washington and um, we wanted to be out there for four weeks and take the motor home or whatever, trailer, whatever we had at the time. And um, HR said I could go if it was okay with the manager. Well, they honestly, up until two weeks before we left, they couldn't give me a straight answer. And it was really frustrating. And finally, Steve said, you know what? If you have to come back to work, I'm, I'll fly you home. We're going. So... I had to fly back home to work. Really? So that was so kind that of the happened. that was like, and they felt bad about it. But yeah, I had to I had to fly home and work a shift. <laughs> wow. When you were sixty, though, yeah. you said you were not ready. I was not ready. And how did you know you weren't ready? Because um, I just still felt that my I worked with a physician, uh, Pat Fabrizio, who's a wonderful man, and you build that relationship. Mm. And, um, you know, he depended on me and I depended on it. I mean, it was a, it was a great relationship and, you know, and our care for our patients. So you have, these are your patients that you, you go through treatment with. You become, they almost become family. Um, you get to know them while you see them weekly. And, and, uh, I wasn't ready yet, but he put that little thought in my mind and I did cut my hours down. And, um, but I think really with COVID hitting and then my needing hip surgery, and I think that was, those two were big factors. And then the coup de grace having to fly back to work and shift. That was like, okay, I think we're done with this. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. So do you remember the first day that you didn't have to go in? I know that you were working a little, I mean, you cut back, so it wasn't like it was just yeah. a sharp end. Yeah. But do you remember the first day where you thought, I don't have to worry about that anymore? Yeah. Well, actually what we did when I retired, then we left for five weeks and went down to Florida. Okay. So that was vacation. And when I came back, that's it did hit me. And it was like, oh, I don't have, you know, I didn't have to battle downtown traffic and all the work down there because it's always under construction down there. It's always a pain trying to get downtown. And I didn't have to deal with that. And, but I think what happened to me is I went, wow, I have, I have every day open. Mm -hmm. So then I went, oh, I can do this and I can do that. And then I started, so I'm, there's a little process I'm going to have to learn how to back up just a little bit and not fill every single day, every single hour with something because I have all this time and I can do it and I love to do it. So there's a little learning curve yet for Greta, but, um, but it opened up my, um, days and I could take somebody to a doctor's appointment, to an eye appointment. Uh, somebody fell and broke their leg and needed some help and I was able to, to care and run around and, but that's what I love to do. And that's what I want to be able to do is that, um, to be able to address the needs, somebody with, with cancer, you know, somebody needing chemotherapy, you know, helping, being able to be a help for Patty. Um, you know, that's where my heart is. And um, even you know, just making a meal. I make a couple of meals a week and I love it and run it out. I have the opportunity to do it and, 
It helps me um, to feel like I'm blessing someone. And going back when I was on bed rest for those two and a half months, and then even after David um, came home from neonatal, um, I, I was loved. We our family was loved so thoroughly, mm. um, and I had to I had to accept help. And initially, you you can't you you have to you're on on flat on your back and there isn't anything you do and I had two little kids and and but it was it was hard being on that receiving end yet what a blessing it was to me you know people shopped for me made meals um, did laundry came and took care of my kids and and so in a way that really affected me in my wanting to give back so that that's part of that too is that giving back what's interesting and occurs to me as I listen to you tell the story is that there's a core value that you have that really never changed and it hasn't changed even though you're retired. So when you describe your working life, you describe it as a time of caring for people, loving for people, even sometimes their families after they they pass on. Now you're loving and caring for people. It's just not that you're going downtown to do it. Right, right. Yes. (laughs) So it leads me to ask this question. For people who are going through that process of thinking about retirement, sometimes it's a very sudden, jolting thing. Mm-hmm. I was doing this. I'm not doing any of that anymore. Now I'm doing something entirely different. Maybe it has no connection at all. I'm wondering how important it is for people who are considering retirement to think in terms of their general convictions, the things that matter most to them as they're thinking about retirement. I'm wondering whether that has made retirement, it sounds to me like it's been sort of a smooth transition for you, whether that's made the transition smooth. Yeah, I don't know. I, um, I, there's a freedom in being retired for me and opening up my week because when you work, you're, what you can agree to do and be a part of and help is around your work life, right? That comes first. Well, family comes first, husband, but your work, right? So anything that you step up to or that you agree to help with or do, that's, in, you know, you have to really look at it, right, time-wise. And, um, and now I don't have that in a sense, although I have to be a little careful because I overextend myself a little bit. But it's a freedom, you know. Mm. Um, you know, every day um, I have something scheduled and... I love it. it. The hard part is just, you know, knowing when not to overdo it. Because my husband, and he's, he's very good at saying, okay, Greta, remember that word retired? Remember you said you were going to be retired? And he watches over me, which is good. And uh, um, is a little bit protective as to what I get committed to. But So when you retired, you went away for a number of weeks. Mm-hmm. It was the, you know, we're retired now, we can do this. Mm-hmm. Do you ever struggle in trying to find the balance between time away and the things that you're still doing for other people? Like, how do you figure out the balance between those two? That's a great question. Yeah, because, well, thankfully with technology, you can still email people, you can text people, you can be in contact with people. Um, Because there are are people that I'm mentoring and that I need to be in touch with and and stay in touch with. And, and, um, you know, let them know I'm praying for them or let them, whatever, that's important. Um, But sometimes getting away is, is a, um, it's nice because it gives you a little bit of breathing and okay, I'm not there. I can just relax. I can read a book. I can take a walk. I can, you know, um, and so that, that is actually a, um, 
one of the things I love about it. Um, I do think that when um, being separate from your church, from your family, for a period of time, that's hard for me in one sense is that I don't know how some people are doing. So that was a hard thing with COVID. And for me, is initially when we could not meet as a church and when you're only live streaming. Um, when I come to church, that's also my opportunity to check with people, to touch base, to see people. And when we were at first, when I had my hip re- replacement and couldn't come to church, and then um, I was out from March until um, middle of July before I was back to church. That was very hard for me because, um, and even then when we got back, not everybody came back. And um, the body of Christ is, I mean, that's the purpose of the church we meet. Um, it's, it, it is the preaching of the word, absolutely, it's primary, but it's also the fellowship of believers, discipling each, discipling each other, holding each other accountable, and being an encouragement, knowing who's um, struggling, you know, or knowing who's, you know, um, gonna have surgery. Some, a lot of people don't actually admit to having surgery or having issues, but yet if it's a one-on-one or if I'm talking to someone, I find out these things and it's important. So COVID was hard, very hard for Greta. Yeah. And now being back in church and now, you know, just being able to connect again and, and having people over at your, you know, I love having people over for a meal. Um, that's such a precious way to get to know people too, is breaking bread together. So, yeah. So that was hard. <laughs> yeah. I think it's been hard for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. It's hard to really appreciate how much that contact week after week uh, means to people until it's gone. Right. We just assumed it was right. just not that significant. Right. But the ability to connect with people in a way that um, you're not focused on a problem or a difficulty, you're just enjoying each other's company, and then things come up, that's a really great way to minister to each other. And right. things that it, it leads to other sorts of uh, opportunities for ministry. Mm-hmm. I want to ask you one question in retrospect, and this is about if you were to give some advice, one or two pieces of advice to somebody who is right in the middle of it. So somebody who is, say, 30, 35, and they have many years of work life still in front of them, if you could just give a couple of pieces of advice now that you're on the, the end of it, what what would that be? That's a great question. I... Um struggled with some of that back early on and well because I had children with health issues so Matthew had health issues for many years and then David being a preemie and you know going to church as a single parent for years because I couldn't take Matthew to church I couldn't take David um, and that's hard I see these young families in our church that are doing that because of you know sick kids or you know um, you know church is such an important thing for our family to be able to all be in church together when that actually finally happened and we could all worship together it was just such a such a gift but um take sometimes it was a, a day at a time sometimes it was an hour at a time um just getting through um you know the stuff the the day-to-day things i mean dealing with the hardest part was dealing with sick children little children um those years once they were older and healthy and um then it was a lot easier um so that i i empathize with the young parents and that that's hard and then working needing to work and then balancing that 
um, I found that meal planning was vital, you know, setting my, so that when I get, got my groceries and, and I had my meals planned because if I was working, then I get home and I, I'd know what I was making. I would have the food in the house. That helped a lot. Um, years later, I actually, um, I was going to say I had a cleaning lady, but that didn't happen to just a few years ago. <laughs> I didn't have a clear lady. That is later. Yeah, that was much later. But a cleaning lady helps a lot, maybe every other week. So honestly, that that helps a lot. But, um, you know, then Matthew had his health issue at age 19, and he ended up with some surgery to correct a congenital heart issue or um, this vascular ring. And so that was a very scary time. And then dealing with ailing parents, that was another, you know, I, I know some of our younger um uh, folks here are dealing with aging parents and and uh, um, maybe considering having to to move them into an assisted living situation. Those are hard, especially if the parent is not up to it and and uh, not willing to go along with that. Those are those are those were hard changes in my life too. So I guess those were big things for me. But young as a young family, as a young parent, with my kids not being healthy, um, that was a struggle. Yeah, mm-hmm. it was hard. I want to ask you some questions going forward. Mm -hmm. Okay. So you are early 60s. Yep. And you could live for another 20, 25, 30 years. So as you look forward to the next few decades of your life, have you thought consciously about some of the things that you hope to do? I know that you're very much an in-the-moment person. Yeah. You're busy all the time. But have you sort of thought about big, big goals? Like this is... Now that I'm retired, I'm not inactive, but what are those things I hope to accomplish in my retirement? I want to, um, that's also wonderful questions here. Um, I want to be a bigger um, factor in my grandkids' lives. Mm. Um, I have grandkids here in town, and I try to give uh, Katie a day a week that I come out and help her with the kids. So that's another thing that I'm able to do and blessed to do. But uh, we've had kids living in Washington. They are now moving to South Dakota. And um, I want to be a bigger part in their life. Um, um, so during COVID, they literally were, their church didn't meet at all. They did some live stream, but it's very hard to worship uh, in front of, and I, I'm sure our young families uh, felt that too, with two little kids, with a two-year-old and a four-year-old at the time. And um, so, so they're missing out on um, Christian grandparents in their lives, that influence in their life, because they live so far away. And yes, FaceTime is fine, and it's still not not the same. So they're moving closer, so that's very exciting for us, for Steve and I. And um, we are actually leaving in a couple of weeks to help them move and uh, set up in South Dakota. So that's a real encouragement. But that's that's very important Mm -hmm. to me, and I think for Steve also. Um, but also possibly at some point um, helping with hospice if that's you know um, that's been my passion all these years is to mm-hmm. to help somebody who's had cancer or going through cancer and, and end of life you know um, so that's another another thing that I'd like to to do but um, but also to be a, a help here at Redeemer uh, wherever I can you know but um, so yeah mm-hmm Yes. So your interest in hospice, um, obviously you were involved with people who were seriously ill as a nurse. Right. Um, some people would take 42 years 
many of those involved with people who are seriously sick and say, now that I'm finished with work, I'm finished with that. I've had enough of that emotional burden because that's it can be really hard watching people uh, yes. who are seriously ill yeah. uh, and then move to a point where they die. Mm-hmm. So you don't have that though. Mm-hmm. So I'm interested in, even after so many years of helping people, you still have the desire to help people in that moment. Can you explain that? I'm gonna get. I think I think the Lord's given me this this desire, this this heart to help. Um, I just really um, care for people, and I care for what they're going through. And um, and if I can help them in any way, because it's such a scary thing, um, facing that and all the all the fears that come with it. And how am I get? I mean, because I've seen forty two years of that. Um, just to be able to help somebody in even a small little way um, that brings joy to me. And and. I think that's what I was created to do. I don't know if mm-hmm. that sounds kind of hokey, but um, that's a passion of mine. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So one last question, then we'll be finished, okay? Okay. I've really appreciated your time. And uh, the time goes by fast when we're talking. Yes. Because you're an interesting person. <laughs> I, I find people interesting <laughs> because if I, if I try to think through years and years and years of service to people, we can talk about that in 15 seconds, but that really captures many, many, many experiences. Some of them life-changing for people. I mean, you've noted a number of times um, your own experience when you were a young mother with children who were very sick and how that formed your life. The same is true, I'm confident, for some of the people that you cared for. Is there any story, any event like that, that comes to mind? of someone in your life that you can remember really impacting as they were walking through a very difficult time in life that you ministered to them as a as a nurse? Well, one, one thing comes to mind. This was many, many years ago. Um, I worked with a um, young woman, and um, she was a single mom and worked every other weekend with me. And... Um, she went through a horrendous experience where someone broke into her apartment. Thankfully, her baby was at the grandparents for the weekend because it was her work weekend. And um, she was raped and um, at knife point. And she survived that, and the Lord, the Lord was gracious. Um, and he left her without hurting her. Um, and thankfully, her child wasn't there. And, um, you know, just rallying around her and caring for her. And when she, she came back... Um, you know, a few years later, you know, all the things that she'd been through, she now was married and she, um, and I had gone through issues with Matthew's health and then David as a preemie. And she said, Greta, I just wanted to uh, let you know that you have been an inspiration to me. And because of all the things that you've gone through and, um, and yet coming to work with a smile being an encouragement, and this was from a gal who went through a horrible, dramatic, awful thing. And for her to say that to me, that you've been a role model and you've been somebody I've looked up to, really shocked me. I, You know, you think as you're going through your, your 
day at work or people's lives that you're touching, you don't realize who you're impacting. And uh, she said, your faith has always been so strong and you've been a blessing to me. And that really, that really uh, hit me. Um, it made me realize that the small things that we do that we think are very important can be very important to someone, you know, a touch or a wave or a greeting or a, um, just a, sometimes just the simplest thing um, can mean so much to someone. And um, that, that's, that influenced my life too, you know. Um, Matthew, when he was young, uh, we were in the car and it was, it was stopping, we were bumper to bumper traffic, it was road construction, the gentlemen were working alongside the road and it was summer and I had the windows down and saw a gentleman there and I said hi, we started talking and dear Matthew said to me later, he goes, do you have to say hi to everybody? <laughs> And they said, you know what, Matthew? Yes, because it's important because you don't know who you're touching um, that day. So anyway. Mm. Thank you for sharing that. You're welcome. Because it is true that your life has touched many, many people. Your service as a nurse. And I am confident that the next decades, whatever the Lord has for you, whatever those years hold, that desire you have to be someone who serves, cares, and loves for other people, whether it's in hospice or work through the church, that's going to mean a great deal to people. Thank you. And you've had an ordinary life in some respects. It probably will not erect a statue of you when, when you pass no. from this world to the next. <laughs> no. But really the testimony of your life will be far more significant than that. Mm -hmm. And that is the way in which your ordinary life has been of extraordinary value to your family and so many other people. So thank you. Well, thank thank you. you for spending some time with us. And uh, we'll look forward to what your years hold. Thank you. I do too. <laughs> All right. Goodbye, everyone. Mm -hmm.